us, there are different days that we recognize that maybe we don't really know why we celebrate them. Uh, for instance, uh, St. Patrick's Day. You know, many people maybe celebrate that by going out and getting a shamrock shake or something like that, but really don't understand what the significance of the, the day is or the history of it. St. Valentine's Day is another one. Uh, many maybe send cards to their loved ones or go out to dinner if you're married or are dating, and uh, they don't recognize the, the history or the story or why that began. And so it is, too, we look at these Jewish feasts, that many of the feasts that we look at, we don't really know why they celebrated them. Uh, we don't understand the significance or how God connected them to his people. And so we've been going through this uh, series on uh, the feasts of the Lord. As we've been journeying through the Old Testament, we've come to this part in the Bible where it lays out why the feasts were given and the significance of them. And so we saw in the spring feasts of Passover, Unleavened Bread, and first fruits how God brings peace to his people. We also saw in the Feast of Pentecost how God brought his power to his people by bringing the Holy Spirit. And last week we saw in the Feast of Trumpets that God wants us to enter into his rest in Christ as we rest from our works in order to be accepted by God. And so this week we are continuing this theme as we look at the last two biblical feasts of the Lord, the Day of Atonement and Tabernacles. I find it fitting that today we are looking at the Day of Atonement because as we celebrate 9-11, we see the impact of sin on the world. We see how evil people in sin have affected other people. And so in this Day of Atonement... God declared to his people that it was not a day of celebration. It was not a day of partying. It was not a day of feasting. Rather, it was a very somber day. As the people of Israel looked back over the previous year and they saw their own sin. Their own sin before God. Their own sin as it affected relationships around them. And so we see the condition of man, the fallen condition, still in our day, we see it. Even with all the education, even with all the political maneuverings, we still are sinful at our core. And that affects people all around us. And so we see this day of atonement. And the definition of atonement, I think, is best remembered as we divide the word. At one mint. You're becoming at one again with somebody that you have been separated from, that your sin has divided you from. And this happens in relationships all the time, right? You get into an argument, there's a disagreement, now you're splitting, you're fighting, sin has gotten into the middle of you, and there's atonement needed again. There's forgiveness that needs to be extended. And so that happened with the human race. As Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were at one with God. They walked with God. They saw God. God was blessing them. They were in the garden together. And then this wedge came in, sin, a decision that they made to disobey God, a decision that they made to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that affected the whole entire human race, and atonement needed to happen again. There needed to be something to fix that. 
And as we look at all the different religions around the world, and I've been listening actually this last week to many debates about uh, between Christians or people of religion and those who are atheists, those who don't believe it, that we were just an accident, that this just all unfolded before us. And the main problem with that is that they don't recognize the core problem that takes place. They don't recognize in regard to morals and the things that we expect one another to do. Because if evolution is correct, then it doesn't matter if you're atoned with one another. It doesn't matter because it's all survival of the fittest. There's no purpose. There's no plan. But if we recognize instead that there is a creator, and many religions do recognize that, by the way, that there is a creator. However, Christianity is the one religion that recognizes that atonement needed to take place. There needed to be a fix to the problem. And that fix came through Jesus Christ. That fix came through God in the flesh coming and laying down his life for us. Because in Hebrews 9.22, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement for sin. There is no forgiveness extended. And that's hard to grapple with. It's like, really? Is that, is that how it's fixed? And yet, that's what the Bible says. That's what we have to re- wrestle with. And so on this Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, this was the one time of the year that the priest, the high priest, could actually go beyond the curtain into the Holy of Holies. That only happened once a year. And he brought the blood of an unblemished lamb and sprinkled it on what was called the mercy seat. So the Ark of the Covenant is there, and there's this area on the top called the mercy seat. And so blood is sprinkled on that to atone for the entire year of sins for the people. And so, for us, before Christ, we were not allowed to go into that curtain. We had affliction of soul, sin weighing on us, burdens. Before Christ, I had a literal burden of sin on my life. And many people walk around out there, they know something's wrong, but they can't put their finger on it. They don't really understand that atonement needs to take place, that you're separated from your creator, from your maker. And so in light of this affliction of our souls, the problem is the wedge. There's still a wedge. How many of you have ever had a relationship where things were at odds? Things were just not right. You couldn't maybe put your finger on it, but maybe something was said, something was done, and there's this divider. And then something happens. Wisdom is given. Advice is given. You reach out. You ask for forgiveness. You tell the person that you love them again, and suddenly you're back together again. And that relationship has changed now. That's exactly what happened when Christ came. He came as the permanent solution to take away the wedge. And Jesus did this, by the way, by going into the heavenly holy of holies and sprinkling his own blood in the heavenly holy of holies. Because in heaven, there is the real, whereas in the tabernacle, it was a reflection of that. 
And so he came into the Holy of Holies. That's why when he died on the cross, there was a rip that happened in the Holy of Holies. The curtain was ripped from top to bottom, and it opened wide in that earthquake that took place. And that showed that God had opened up a way for us to go in to the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lord, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the way, that's the, how he's still seen in heaven. When John in the book of Revelation sees Jesus in heaven, it's an interesting thing that happens. It says, who can take away the sins? Who can open the scroll? And they said, look, the Lion of Judah. And John looks, he doesn't see a lion he sees instead a lamb as though it had been slain. So in heaven still, that's how Jesus is seen, as the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. And so this atonement that we received is a continual blessing, even as we struggle in our lives, even after we've accepted the Lord as our Savior. In 1 John 2, 1, it says, uh, John, is the apostle, is talking to uh, one of the churches. My little children, I'm writing to you to these. I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. So that's the goal: don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate. An advocate is a lawyer term. It's, you have somebody to stand up before the judge and say, okay, this one's mine, this is why, you know. And he's there as a mediator between you and God. How does this affect us personally? Many of us are kept from entering the rest of the Lord because of the lack of repentance in our lives. The Lord desires for each one of us to not sin, and many of us don't keep short accounts with the Lord. We let things build and go on for long periods of time. And so our repentance, our atonement, is not a once-a-year event at the Day of Atonement. This is a continual thing that we can have in our lives as we keep short accounts with the Lord. Weekly at the communion table. Daily as we pray in the morning or whatever. Perhaps hourly when you're driving along Highway 2, right? Because that, a lot of sinful things can happen in our lives. Things, anger flares up. Slander, gossip, bitterness in our hearts. All of these things that we can keep short accounts before the Lord with. Paul told his followers to daily take up your cross and follow Jesus. I die daily, he said. That death is coming before the cross every day and praying for the atonement again on our lives, that we can be at one again with the Lord in our daily circumstances. And so we are also reminded uh, of that sacrifice each week on the cross where he proclaimed, it is finished. Not that the Lord is sacrificed every week here, again, over and over, but that he was fin uh, sacrificed once and for all, and we can come and receive that mercy, that reconnection again with him. And many of us, when things are going fine in our lives, maybe we don't think about our relationship with the Lord that much. People out in the world, they don't really think about God in a daily way until something happens. 
A trial comes into your life. A health crisis. Financial, relational, whatever it might be. And God uses that to get our attention. Right? Remember the story of Job? The devil is accusing Job before God the Father. He says... God says, have you considered my servant Job? Well, yeah, of course he's doing good because you've blessed him so much. You've given him everything. Of course he's going to bless you. And so God tested him. And you know what happens when we're tested? A friend of mine talked about this. He said it's kind of like a lake where you see a real crystal clear surface, but you don't realize that lake is actually over a junkyard, right? And the junk is all down below the surface. And when the surface, you know, things, the water starts to get stirred up, then things begin to float to the surface again. And we're pushing them down. Wait, how, where'd that come from? Whoa. Because in trials and in tests, what we're made of begins to surface. And the Lord uses those things to help us to recognize that we've still got some major problems. We've still got some stuff to work on. And so that's the Day of Atonement. The final feast that we see here is called the Day of Tabernacles. And this was a feast that was commemorated by Israel as commanded by the Lord uh, when they would gather together. And this was the last of the harvest. The last of everything was brought in. Everything was finally finished. And they would go out into the fields and they would build these little tabernacles, these little basically tents. And one of the interesting things about these tents is they were commanded to keep gaps in them. And so as they lay in these tents, you know, it wasn't the rainy season, they didn't need to worry about that. But they would look up into the sky and they would remember how the people of Israel lived in the wilderness for 40 years. And so this was the feast of ingathering. They were sojourners. They had come to this promised land. And in this final harvest, it was a reminder of how they had taken rest from all their labors. A special time of rejoicing, especially after the somberness of the Day of Atonement. And so how do we see this fulfillment in Jesus, the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, Jesus is our ultimate dwelling place. When we are in Christ... We are at rest from our labors. Not that you don't do anything, not that you don't show up and do stuff at church or work your job. We are at rest from having to work our way into heaven. Because in all other religions, there's a scale. And on this side, you pile up all your good stuff. And on this side, you pile up all your bad stuff. And when you stand before whatever the creator is, there's a weighing that happens. If you did enough good stuff, maybe you get to go into paradise. If you didn't, you don't. However, in Christianity, we are resting in Christ from those labors. Not that we don't do good stuff. We do good stuff because we love the Lord. And we see what he saved us from. But before God, what he sees is he sees Christ. He sees Christ over us. We're accepted because of his uh, blood over us now. Also at his second coming, Jesus is going to enter, uh, bring his people into a great rest in that awesome day when he returns. Not only will his uh, people rest, but all of creation will rest. Did you know that all of creation is groaning right now, waiting for Jesus to come back? 
I was driving to church this morning, big dead deer on the side of the road. They're affected by death as much as we are. They're affected by sin as much as we are. We see it in the air today. The world is not right. Things are not great right now in this world. And so we have this rest that we will be entering into when Jesus returns. One of the rituals that they did at this Feast of Tabernacles was something called the pouring out of the water. And so the high priest would stand up and he would take water and he would pour it out and pray for the fall rains to come. And the reason that they would pray for the fall rains is because they needed the ground to be softened so they could plow up everything for the next year. So they would plow everything under in preparation for the spring. And when Jesus came, we see uh, in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, he's at this particular ceremony, the pouring out of the water during the Feast of Tabernacles. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those he had believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus talked about this final thing that was going to come, the pouring out of the Spirit, in order to soften the ground, in order to make it receptive for the rains, in order for the Spirit to minister to the people in the world. And so Jesus was a direct fulfillment of this. And personally, this relates to us because Jesus told people to come to him and he would give them rest. And ultimately, the rest that we're all looking for as Christians is the rest when we go home. When we go home to be with the Lord. When we go to heaven. When all of these things disappear, right? Our bodies and all the problems that are happening with them. The older we get, the more problems we have. I could start from the top of my head and go down to my foot and you know, check off all the numerous things that are going wrong with my body. And so we're looking forward to that ultimate rest when he comes. But in the meantime, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us that taste of heaven right within us in our ministry together. And we don't have to look to get on God's side to get it. As a Christian, and when we believe in him, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Hebrews, they did not enter into the rest. They were supposed to go from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land and enter right in. That was the plan. But they didn't. They were afraid when they got to the border. They saw giants. And so they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And so for us, we do not live in a spirit of fear but rather we live in a spirit of faith. And when you say things around your life that are fearsome, I actually just had this happen to me yesterday. I had a fearful situation that I was dealing with. And then I received counsel from somebody, and then suddenly the fear lifted from me, and the faith of the Lord and the Holy Spirit came into me, and I began to change my view about the particular thing that I was facing. And each of us has that opportunity as we're fearful about things. Lord, lift this fear from me and let me see it as you see it. Let me enter into your rest today 
as I deal with these things in my life. In conclusion this morning, during this series, we've taken an incredible journey through these feasts. We've seen the feasts of the Lord. We've seen that Jesus is our Passover lamb, and he caused the angel of death to pass over us. We see that Jesus is our unleavened bread, who causes our lives to be swept clean of the leaven of sin. Jesus is the first fruits, giving us hope that we can rise from the grave. Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit to give us power to fulfill things in our lives at Pentecost. And Jesus is coming again as the last trumpet blows when we saw this in the Feast of Trumpets. Jesus is our atonement, causing us to enter into rest and be at one again with the Father. And finally, Jesus is our dwelling place as we see in the book of the Tabernacles. The Jewish feasts are a clear indication that God was preparing his people Israel. He wanted to show them that Jesus was coming. He was coming to fulfill all these things. And many Jews are still looking for the Messiah. They're still looking out there for the fulfillment of these promises. And in fact, over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the Jewish people. We're going to be looking at some of those problems and the things that they're dealing with even today. And so as we close up this uh, series on the feasts, I say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'alom, which means, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for the pictures that you give us in our lives to point to you and the fulfillment that you have uh, seen in Christ, how these things are fulfilled, Lord, in you. And Lord, help us in our personal lives as we deal with each of these things today. Lift any fear from us. Help us to walk in faith in this moment. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear, I can't.
Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.